wasn't, wasn't he so nice? You know, I, I really, in the first service, he was so nice as well, and I, I thought he was then just going to rip the rug under the carpet and shred me, but he didn't. It was, it was so undurban of him. It was so nice. <laughs> it's, a, it's been a big week. I was in PE, watched people getting posasa. Anyway, we, we saw that, and, uh, and then we had Sona. Our Sona was better than Trump's Sona, just saying. We had no fight about a wall. He just he spoke very well. It's been an interesting week, eh? I'm not convinced. <laughs> I, I was driving back and uh, chatting to someone, and, and I realized with the next generation, I realized I was utterly clueless. The, the way the next generation works is they don't care about current affairs. What they care about is what's trending. So, so basically, they don't care what the president says. They care about what the celebrity said about the president. That's... It was quite insightful for me. And uh, anyway, so I was learning all about what's trending. And, um, and I realized I'm clueless. I'm literally clueless. I started to have stuff downloaded on me. And uh, as, as this person was speaking, um, I, I thought to myself, I really don't care. And he actually asked me, he said, you don't really care about this stuff, do you? So I said, absolutely not. He said, why not? I said, because I don't care about things I can't influence. I'm not going to waste my life on stuff that I can't influence. In fact, I got, I got an SMS this week that was particularly nasty. I get a few, um, not from you, other people who... And uh, anyway, and I thought to myself, normally it would, it would cut. I went, I don't care. Next week we start a series called something to the effect of I don't care. It's going to be so good. Because what I realized is if, you, if you're going to care about the stuff that God wants you to care about, you have to not care about a whole bunch of stuff. Anyway, I'm going to stop preaching now. We are, we are wrapping up this series, Giants Must Fall, but I'm going to speak about leaving Egypt behind. And uh, to get you into the message, because I feel like this whole series is about, about depositing faith. Actually, that's what I think it's been about. Um, to get you into it, I want to I tell you, confess my sin to you, that I, I hate two animals. There are a few I don't care too much about, but there are two that I, I hate. Great whites and ostriches. <laughs> In fact, if I see ostrich steak, I just eat it, because I know there's another one dead. It's, it's just... <laughs> And this, this history with ostrich, it started, I grew up on a game farm, and uh, on the game farm, we, we had a little ostrich farm. And uh, I remember coming back from school the one day, and, and there was kind of a, about a 2K walk back to my house. I'd sometimes ride, but this time I was walking. And uh, I was walking back, and I thought, let's take a short, shortcut through the ostrich pen. Now, ostrich, I want you to tell you two things about ostrich. One is, an ostrich weighs about 120 kgs. Its head is about that big. Both its eyes are about the size of a billiard ball. So, so they're quite big. Its brain? Not so much. I got tormented by something that weighed 120 kgs with a brain this size. I, I, I decided I was going to walk across. I started walking. And uh, as I was walking, there was an ostrich in plume. So it was, it was ready for. And uh, anyway, you can tell because they've got the orange on their legs and, and on their beak. And, uh, and he decided to trot towards me. 
but he came at pace. <laughs> and so there was a tree. It was a knob, knobthorn tree. So, so I ran to the tree because it was closer than the fence. So I ran to the tree. And then he came and followed me around the tree. <laughs> because his brain's this big, we walked round and round and round and round and round. And, and by the time, eventually, it felt like 25 minutes, but it was probably only two minutes. But eventually, he walks, 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 and his, now his neck's over here somewhere. I'm over there. I'm walking. I should have just held on to his tail. But eventually, he goes... Ah, I'm going to get you. And we walk around and around. He gets bored eventually. He walks off. And, uh, and I tried to sprint. And then he sprinted back. So I went back to the tree. We did our dance again. Round, round, round. And uh, eventually he got bored. And I sprinted, got away. Uh, he couldn't catch me. Because he's 120 gauges and stupid. Anyway. <laughs> I actually, with great delight, remember eating an ostrich egg. It's an omelet on a whole other level. You ever find yourself walking round and round and round? Find yourself, uh, <laughs> I found myself licensing my car, and for the fifth year in a row, I was late. Any, anybody else? And you go like, I've been here before. SARS, fill in your stuff. Two days before, you're like in panic, you need to take leave to go fill it. And I, I just went, I've been here before. You ever been in, in a marriage conversation? where it gets so heated. But if you could stop and settle down all the blood that's in your mouth, if you could just pull it back, you could actually go, this is what you're going to say, then I'm going to say this, then you're going to say this, then, then we're both going to walk out like this. So how's about we stop now? But you don't. You've been here before, and you just keep going on. Anybody been there? Finance. You, you come out of debt. You're doing so well. You're starting to build something up, and then... Been here before. If you're single, you, you've been in that relationship where it's going so well, and then she says those words, you complete me. And as soon as she says that, you know that she's going to suck the life out of you. <laughs> Because every time you try to look forward to where you want to go, she's going to go, no, look at me. <laughs> uh, some of you, you've used the line, may God deal with you. <laughs> it happens in your weight. It happens in jobs. You, you change careers. You change companies. And, you, and you, you climb, climb, climb. And then you hit the ceiling. And it feels like, I've been here before. I'm doing this again. It happens in business. I, I see so many people, so many businesses start to grow, and then they get to the top, and they hit a cash flow issue, and back they go all over again. You see it in sin habits. You know what I love about people struggling with sin habits? I, I know, I've been here. Is that you know the problem, and you know what triggers it. Eat enough, sleep enough. Do, you, you know what you have to do, but something, somehow, it just ambushes you, and the next thing, you're back in it again. We've been here before. Israel had been here before. They were walking along, and they went, I've seen that tree before. I've seen that rock before. I've walked around this mountain before. They were in a cycle in the wilderness. 
It just kept on going and going and going. And the thing about cycles in the wilderness is it feels like you're going to die. You know, what I love about the scriptures is that 10 times it says God tested them. 10 times God made a way for them to break the cycle. And 10 times they said, no, God, I don't trust you, God. And they stayed in the wilderness. What I've realized is that for Israel, between their deliverance, Red Sea, and the promised land, Jordan River, between two stretches of water was the wilderness. And what I've realized is for every Christian, between deliverance, your salvation, and your destiny, there will be a wilderness. If it happened to Jesus, it's going to happen to you. There will be a season of your life where yesterday feels like today, which feels like tomorrow, and nothing's going to change, and you feel like you're going around in circles and circles and circles, and it feels like you're never going to get out of here. And this scripture, well, this story pops us out of living in a cycle because the truth is you need a wilderness. The wilderness is good for you. In the wilderness, you learn that man does not live on bread, but on the word of God. In the wilderness, you learn how to sit in the presence of God because you've got nothing else. In the wilderness, you know what it's like to be stripped. In the wilderness, you start to realize that I can't change the world. In fact, I I can't change anything if God is not with me and for me. And the millennials love this message. The wilderness will take you out and leave you with only God. It's good for you, but you're not supposed to die there. So, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua 5. I'm going to start from verse 1. Thank you. All those two people. When all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings who lived along the Mediterranean coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan River so that the people of Israel could cross, they lost heart and were paralyzed with fear because of them. Here's a context. Israel's been going through the wilderness All of the generation of unbelief, people who didn't walk into the promised land, they've all died. They get to the river, and God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous, and go through this river. As I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. And so so what happens is, just like God opened or parted the Red Sea, he parts the Jordan River for them to walk through. Here's what's important about it. Wherever you see a man of faith who you aspire to be like, look for the thing that God has done in his life and look for it in your life. If he's done it in your life like he's done it in his life, he saved that guy, he filled him with the Holy Spirit, he did something in his life that he'll do in your life, you can start to have faith for the next thing that he had in his life. It's a a principle that God puts into you. Though the Israelites were nervous, they get to this promised land, they make it through, The enemy was terrified. And then in verse 2, it says, At that time, the Lord told Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the second generation of Israelites. Now, I don't want to labor the point, but I was just thinking about it. I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy that someone would get a piece of rock. Like... 
It's just a horrific thought. Get flint knives and circumcise. It's, guys are like going like this, Ross, please change the subject. Ladies, ladies, I know you go through your, your birth stuff, and, but you do it again, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I went fishing the other day. I was getting into it because my, my kid, is, he's mad about fishing at the moment. So, so anyway, I go, I go out fishing, and um, I've, I've got a lure out. And the one thing I'm convinced about is I'm not going to catch anything. That's, that's, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to catch anything. But anyway, I'm, I'm paddling away. And then he goes, and, and I start winding, and I get this nice shad. Uh, and and I, I think to myself, okay, I don't have a gaff. I mean, I'm completely unprepared. So, so I grab a knife and I stab it a couple of times, chuck it in, and then blood starts. Nah. And I've watched the movie. <laughs> da, da, da. Anyway, so I, I decide I'm going to paddle. So I paddle about 100 meters. All the blood seems to go away. And, and I, I think to myself, I'm sure I'm past like where the shock and small. And, uh, and I'm starting to get ready to, to fish again. And then the fish that I killed was resurrected. <laughs> and for about a millisecond, I thought I was going to be circumcised by the fish. So I just threw it out the, out the thing, and it, it went away. Anyway, the reason I'm, I'm sticking on the circumcision thing is because you need to understand it. it's such an important moment in Israel's life. Circumcision is a mark that you are right with God. You don't, the Israelites didn't get circumcised to be right with God. It says that Abraham believed God and God credited to him as righteousness and therefore he was circumcised. It's a, it's a progression. What they were doing is they were saying, I have been made right with God and I'm going to mark myself. But it was costly. When, when Jesus went to the grave, he circumcised us with a spiritual circumcision of the heart. He dealt with our sin and cut away. Circumcision means to trim. He, he trimmed our sinful nature in a spiritual sense so that we could have a new heart soft. It's, you need to hold on to this because the story goes on. It says, so Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the entire male population of Israel at Gebir Haraloth. Just say that quickly. Gebir Haraloth. It means the hill of foreskins. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that was actually funnier than you giving it. Anyway, Joshua, Joshua had to circumcise them because all the men who are old enough to fight in battle when they left Egypt had died in the wilderness. It's interesting that God didn't let a generation with no faith mark a generation with faith. Those who left Egypt had all been circumcised, but none of those born after the Exodus during the years in the wilderness had been circumcised. The Israelites had traveled in the wilderness for 40 years until all the men who were old enough to fight in battle when they left Egypt had died. For they had disobeyed the Lord, and the Lord vowed he would not let them enter the land he had sworn to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So Joshua circumcised their sons, those who had grown up to take their father's places, for they had not been circumcised on the way to the promised land. After all the males had been circumcised, they rested in their camp until they were healed. 
Amen. You've got to remember, this is a, it's a picture for us. So here's what happens. Ten times it says, Israel's tested. And so, so from the Red Sea is the first time, water out of a rock, the bitter water, all of these times, they come to a place where they could die, and it's a test from God to see whether they will choose faith or unbelief. And ten times in a row, they choose unbelief. The result is that God doesn't allow Israel to go into the wilderness. Here's the big idea. If you don't trust God for your salvation, see, every time they, they had a, a problem, it was a, is he going to save me problem? If you can't trust God with your salvation, you won't be able to trust God with your promised land. The reason God has to keep them in the wilderness, not, not he chooses to, the reason he has to keep them in the wilderness is the wilderness is a giant's free zone. No giant wants to be in the wilderness. There's nothing in the wilderness. The giants don't mind. You can walk around your wilderness for the rest of your life. It doesn't bother them. It's the moment you step in to take on your inheritance that giants go, oh, really? You won't find resistance from the enemy in your wilderness. You see, what God did is as soon as they crossed over the Red Sea, he wiped out the giants who were following them. From then on, the only thing following them was goodness and mercy all the days of their lives. But they couldn't trust God with salvation. If you can't trust God that you've been saved, forgiven, healed, restored, he can't let you take on giants because they will take you out. The, the foundation for all our spiritual warfare, this foundation for us moving forward is believing that God has made us righteous. He's given us a platform. We can take out the enemy. We can speak to it. We can rely on what Christ's done to move forward. And if you don't have that foundation, you cannot move into the promised land. Israelites were stuck. And they were stuck because they kept choosing unbelief. If you listen to how they speak, it says in Numbers 21.5, why have you brought us out of Egypt, they're speaking to Moses, to die here in this wilderness, they complained. There's nothing to eat here and nothing to drink, and we hate this horrible manner. Now you can understand why they said it. This comment, it's based on fact and feeling. The wilderness sucks. They've eaten manna for 40 years. Those are facts. The feeling is, I'm so sore with hope deferred because I've been walking around in this empty wilderness day after day and I've given up hoping for a different tomorrow and now my heart is heavy. See, most people stuck in a cycle are stuck with a heavy heart. This thing's an emotional decision. And they've just kept partnering with unbelief and kept partnering with unbelief and they've spoken about it and they've agreed about it and they've made unbelief the strength of their hearts and the result is they can't pass any test. And some of us have made unbelief the thing that keeps coming out of our mouths and the result is when God brings you an opportunity to walk into the promised land, the thing that you've stirred up is unbelief and so you speak it out. You know, I was, I was thinking about this this morning and and I, I woke up at two because I was clueless about my sermon. I just went, went to bed at eight. I was, I'm going to wake up at two and get clear. 
because the Holy Spirit, I was thinking, maybe you can speak to me while I sleep, be useful, or else when I'm early in the morning, because at night, nothing's happening. I woke up and I just decided, I have got hurt in life. And when I've got hurt, I've somehow managed to allow unbelief to sneak in and, and I've numbed myself. Any of you ever numb yourself? See, the nice thing about numbing is that you don't feel pain. The problem with numbing is you don't feel joy. And I, I just started sitting there and I started speaking the things God's done about how he saved me. And, and how he filled me with the Holy Spirit that same day. And then again, he filled me with the Holy Spirit. And again, he filled me with the Holy Spirit. And he kept filling me with the Holy Spirit. And, and how he gave me a motorbike when my other motorbike was stolen and, and cars. And I remember I was driving Ames's car back from a wedding the one day. And I, and I flipped the car a bunch of times. And, and whilst I was flipping the car, God had spoken to my pastor at the time. And he was praying for a guy who was going to have an accident that he would be protected. And I didn't have a single scratch. Ames had a little scratch here because God loves me more than her. But I, we, sp we spun around. And, and I think about the, the time we were hijacked and how after that God came and, and people gave me a car. And I think about the house I bought. And, and I just look through my life. I, I look at the friends he's given me. I look at the, the places. You know, the gifts that I've been given are so extravagant that I feel uncomfortable speaking about them from the pulpit. I have lived in the blessing of God. And as I started to say those things to myself and praise God for them, you know what starts to happen is this unbelief that I'd been festering over time. It starts to die and faith starts to rise. This is what's required of people who want to walk into the promised land. If you want to die in the wilderness, just keep fueling all the things that are wrong. Mm -hmm. So Joshua gets the knives. He circumcises the people on the hill of foreskins. <laughs> And Jesus takes the knife and he circumcises the people on the hill of Golgotha. And then it says, then the Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. So that place has been called Gilgal, which means rolling to this day. And the Lord said to you, today I roll away your, your shame at the stone that covered the tomb and it keeps rolling from that day. You see, the thing that'll put you back into the wilderness is how you handle pain because this life's gonna throw you some. It's gonna come and when it hits you, because your giants wanna hurt you, it'll hit you Directly in spiritual attack, it'll hit you through people. Stuff is coming at you. The way you handle that will determine whether you stay in the wilderness, go back to the wilderness, or you walk into the promised land. And there are three things that are required if you're going to walk into the promised land. You have to, one, know that you've been marked by God, righteous, pure, washed in the blood. You're absolutely loved. That shame cannot hold on to you. See, what I began to believe, and I believe that most people believe this, is I would walk into the promised land, and in the process, due to bad habits, due to sin, due to people, 
I'd get hurt, and after it happened two or three times, I'd go, this is a pattern. There must be something wrong with me. You know what that's called? Shame. It's not, I did something wrong. There's something wrong with me. And when you understand that you have been marked by God, you go, yes, I've got a bad habit, but there is nothing wrong with me. I'm washed by the blood of the Lamb. I'm chosen by Him. He, he called me. He anointed me. There is, there is goodness that's following me all the days of my life. I need to be strong and courageous and get back into the arena. Church, if I was to say one thing that I see hammering people, is you've numbed. You got an owie, and you went back to where there was no attack, but you're dying here. And God wants you, as one book I was reading said, to have a soft front and a strong spine and a wild heart. But you've got to know that he is good and he saves and he heals and he's done it all for you. And you've got to be mocked by God and you've got to wipe the shame away. Let's stand. So Jesus, we go into this next series where we, we literally look at what we should not care about. And as we leave this message, I pray, God, that you do something inside of hearts that have numbed, that have, got, that have got so sore that they didn't have the courage to step back out and you bring them back into the arena of faith. So that 2019 can be taken on. I ask for your grace in this church and I ask that you heal covenanted people. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. May God bless you and fill you and fill you with the love. God bless.